Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. Managing talent, secrets to small business success. I'm Mike Vanoy, head of marketing at Assure, and I have a great guest for this topic today. If you watch the show regularly, you know, we're, we typically talk to lawyers and certified HR professionals about HR topics and compliance topics. Uh, but, but today's a, a cool conversation because I think we're talking to an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Uh, you, you may know Elizabeth Gore. She was on the show recently. Uh, we invited her back because I thought the conversation was, was so great. Um, I'm going to introduce her here. Elizabeth uh, serves as the co-founder and president of Hello Alice, which helps businesses launch and grow by providing access to funding, networks, and services. Through a network of over 1 million companies in all 50 states and across the globe, Hello Alice is building the largest community of business owners in the country while tracking, uh, while tracking data and trends to increase owner success rates. Elizabeth previously served as entrepreneur in residence at Dell Technologies. There, she drove initiatives to support Dell's goals in helping small and medium-sized businesses scale and prosper. She is the Emeritus Chair of the United Nations Foundation's Global Entrepreneurs Council and previously served on the UN for nearly a decade as the first ever entrepreneur in residence for the foundation, as well as Vice President of Global Partnerships. People Magazine named her one of the top 100 extraordinary women. Fast Company called her one of the most creative people in business, and she was named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's Women to Watch. She has been covered in media outlets like ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Fox Business, Fortune, Glamour, and Time. Elizabeth Gore, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, Elizabeth, on this show, we 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 talk so much about talent. We talk about trends in the labor market and, uh, you know, the, the supply of the workforce, unemployment rates and all kinds of compliance stuff. You know, you, you come at this probably from a little bit different angle. You are an entrepreneur yourself, uh, but you're an entrepreneur in the business of helping entrepreneurs and in talent, man, you go back to pre pandemic. It meant one thing during the pandemic, had two or three phases from great resig from thanks I have a job to great resignation to silent quitting to now I watch the news this week uh, the new- latest I'm hearing is loud quitting we we're in a we're in a tumultuous time when it comes to talent can let's let's just maybe start with with how how you see you know, talent as spe- specifically as it relates to entrepreneurs and small businesses well sure well again thanks for having me and Talent is critical uh, to any business, whether it's you managing your own time, your your very first uh, boss is yourself, right? And then, right. Uh, you know, I, I think the first five is are critical that you hire and then suddenly you jump to 30 and 100. And 
Um, but there's the old adage that I still fundamentally believe in, whether it's pre-pandemic or now, which is higher, slow and fire fast. Um, easier said than done in many cases, but I, I don't think that has changed. Um, I, I do think things that have changed is, is why people take a job. Um, what is their passion point? Um, you know, what are they negotiating for and with? And I think there is an advantage to small business and entrepreneurship right now. A lot of folks have really changed their tenor about climbing the corporate ladder. You know, they're looking for flexibility. They're looking for something that's very purposeful. They're looking for something they feel ownership in, whether than being one cog in a big wheel. So I do think that behooves small business and entrepreneurs. Um, unfortunately, in some cases right now, there's a, a, a back-end benefit as well, as there's a lot of, of large layoffs going on, uh, particularly in the tech and finance sectors, um, which is tough for those folks, but it also is positive for small and medium businesses where we're not competing uh, with those higher salaries and you know more aggressive jobs. So interestingly right. enough, um, most of the trends that, that I see right now benefit small business and entrepreneurship. Uh, I also think that, that that notion of labor shortage is starting to change and evolve. Uh, people are going back to work as it relates to uh, part-time jobs, which we need a lot of in small and medium business as well. So uh, I do think uh, we're on an upward swing as it relates to, to small business entrepreneurship, as it relates to hiring. Let me, let me ask this. Uh, you, you, you used a phrase that I think all of us have heard a million times. I don't know if everybody really understands the why behind it. When you say hire slow, fire fast, Mm-hmm. Put, put put some put some definition behind that, and and more importantly, what's the why behind both ends of that spectrum? Sure, and and, and again, I'm 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 teaching, but I've certainly made mistakes here. When you're desperate to uh, fill a position, um, and you're 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 maybe cut a few corners, or don't look at all, you know, at least three candidates when you fall in love with one. You know, there's a million reasons why we we all cut corners here, but hiring the right candidate is so important and because what you don't want to do is get in there and someone is not good and then and then you're stuck right or you've wasted all that time and so i think really taking the time and always having a minimum of three folks that you're taking quite seriously even if you fall so in love with one specific candidate you'll always be surprised of what other people can bring to the table or the leverage you learn when you interview different folks and then also um, making sure it's it's not just the one you like the most, but they have that right talent. And sometimes you're looking for something really specific and maybe someone has almost all of it, but you've been looking for a long time and you just really want to jump in there. And generally that will not do well. So taking the time to make that right hire, making sure you're talking to multiple people, doing those reference checks um, is is quite critical, even if it, you're just desperate to get that talent in the door, because it might cost you in the long run. Um, I will say I, I've been okay at that. On the flip side, firing fast, that's a tough one. Um, so, you know, generally, when someone is not either performing in the job, or they don't have the right skill set, passion, whatever that means, most of the time that is not going to evolve, particularly if you've, you've really coached them, you've given them maybe a, a 30, 60 day window to improve. 
generally, we tend, especially if you're a compassionate individual, to hold on too long to candidates, which is also quite costly, right? Um, the time you're spending as a manager on an individual, uh, the time that you're losing by them not performing, others have to uh, plug in. You can also lose other good people if you're keeping one bad apple in the bunch. Yeah. So letting people go uh, in a way that, you know, you've tried, you put them through performance metrics, is just not happening um, faster than normal. I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever regretted letting someone go. I've certainly regretted hiring the wrong people. Um, and then there's, you know, nuancing. Many of us have had to do layoffs, which stink, you know, particularly in this economy. We certainly did. And that's a whole nother ball of wax we can talk through later. But uh, that's the whole, um, if you can, take your time to hire. But on the flip side, if someone's not doing well, let them go quickly. I feel like, you know, so like I, I, I kind of spent time at, you know, small companies uh, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a founder, uh, spent plenty of time at big companies. So I'm, I'm doing both right now. I got some side hustles, but I got my, got my day job uh, here. Um, I feel like it, when you're at a bigger company, it's easier to take risks of being wrong. But when you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. man, it, it's like you're just literally dying. You don't have enough hours in the day. So you can mm -hmm. rush to, to hire. And on the flip side, it's like you feel tremendous guilt. It's like, okay, what, if I do let this person go, I know, in my bones, I know that they're not a right fit. Um, but if I let them go, I don't have anybody to backfill. Am I going to go back to working 80 hours a week again while right. I'm still trying to right. backfill? And I actually, I, I think a lot of founders, especially, they, they feel guilty. Like, mm -hmm. oh man, I actually like that person. They're not, yeah. they're not performing the way, I, the, the way I want, but yeah. they, they let them hang on just because their own guilt. Mm -hmm. And that's not helping the employee in the long run. It's not at least. It certainly oh, isn't helping the company. It's so yeah, personal. It's so personal. People that say business is not personal is such full of crap. Like, oh, and, yeah. and I will say many, many early entrepreneurs and founders hire people that they're friendly with already. Family, uh, former coworkers, neighbors. It's just there's a sense of trust there. They'll usually work for you cheaper. They get excited about what you're doing. So, you know, nine times out of 10, there's a personal connection in those early years uh, with the people you're hiring. So that makes it even harder. But, but um, I love Brene Brown, the leadership coach, and she says, clear is kind. Uh, if you let things drag on, it'll tend to get nasty uh, on all sides. And so, um, and you made me think of something I wanted to go back to on the, on the hiring front. Um, uh, just a couple of tips that we learned along the way I really liked because it, it, it it's just so hard. You hire five people, one of them's probably not going to work out, right? It's really hard to get a grand slam on all that. So, but a couple of things. One is, is can you hire someone for a trial or part-time or not full-time yet prior to onboarding them fully? Uh, of course, every state will have different laws around how long or and what capacity folks can work. But I do think um, if you can bring someone in 30 hours a week or on a project uh, before you bring them in as an FTE, that's something some states will allow a three month window of kind of no fault. If it's not working, you can let them go or before you start paying unemployment. So I, I do like that style of when you're still small um, can someone come in in a project or a part-time or some kind of trial braces before? Because once they're in full-time, 
you've done all the legal, you know, it, that is just such a different ball of wax. Um, so I, I do like that, um, that notion. As you get larger, I think that's harder to do. But in the early years, I think it's quite effective. Yeah, and, and I so I'll put my HR legal hat on for a second. I mean, there are at-will states and not at-will states. Mm -hmm. The HR practitioner in me would say, um, whether it's an at-will state or not, you can still get sued. Yeah. Uh, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean they're going to win or you're going to win, but you still could still have the cost to defend for for wrongful termination. Uh, laws help, but no matter what, being respectful, taking having great record keeping and documentation mm -hmm. and clear communication around expectations, including so whether it's an at-will state or not saying, Hey, we are in a probationary period. I think right. you're awesome. And here's what, right. I mean, just the more you can communicate, the, the, the better, safer you're going to be. Absolutely. Uh, wanna, Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth, I want your thoughts on this. So anybody who's been doing this for more than a few years, you, you, you know, that the, the, the talent seems to come in waves, right? Mm, very like, true. Like I, I've been through seasons where I'm trying to hire and build a team and uh, there just aren't the applicants, period. Mm -hmm. Let alone whether they're good applicants or bad applicants, there just aren't many. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are other seasons. So like if you're hiring in tech right now, I mean, a lot of the big companies uh, have had tech layoffs. There's more tech talent than there was I mean, way more tech talent right now than there was, you know, nine to absolutely. Oh, right. So, what, what's your guidance for entrepreneurs? How do you how do you try to stay disciplined to the higher slow, knowing that talent does come in waves? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think of it as um, the housing market, right? Like sometimes it's a buyer's market, sometimes it's not. You know, it's it's very mm -hmm. cyclical, but. A couple of things. One is I, I feel like CEOs um, should always be hiring in their mind and recruiting, you know, keeping your eye out for talent, developing relationships. Um, I, my co-founder giggles because I'm always like, we should hire that person someday, you know, and we really kind of keep up with those folks. Um, a second thing, though, is I, I do think there are environments where you can consistently show up that when you do start recruiting, you're not a new face there. So we work a lot, you know, we, we're in the business of helping small business. So we do a lot with the US chambers. Uh, we also have a real commitment to diversity and inclusion on hiring. So we work a lot with Bunker Labs for Veterans. We work a lot with the NAACP. We work a lot with environments where once we do start recruiting, where it's not the first time we've showed up at those places. Right. Um, we do right. a lot with, um, and A to B, we do a lot with um, uh, lesbians who tech. Like we, we are at these uh, either shows, conferences, or we show up to speak and mentor so that when we are posting on a job board or we are recruiting, it's not the first time they've seen our brand. So so that that's something I think is really important. I also, I think our best recruiters are current employees. So once you do get two or three employees, you know, and you really like them, you trust them, they have great values, they're going to have their own network. So we actually put into place um, $500 for uh, if someone brings in a candidate that we hire. Um, we have a, this cluster of engineers in the Carolinas that all have come out of one amazing guy, John Zarin. Um, and he just, he has a great university network. And so um, I think your employees can be a really good tool and asset there. 
And then finally, um, your own activity. Again, I know there's only so many hours in the day, but you're on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or these other services and kind of being out there um, advocating for different groups, speaking on behalf of those groups. So um, I think you're always in your mindset recruiting, whether it's developing relationships, showing up as events, ensuring your employees are active. It's not just about posting up one job description and hoping it's out there, right? Um, one other thing I'll say is whatever industry you're in as an entrepreneur, um, I think there's a lot of value in being involved and engaged as a CEO in those industry groups. I, I think that is a great place for recruiting. Again, for us, it's unique because we're small business. So, uh, but we have engineers and accountants and, you know, and we need uh, subject matter experts in different areas. So being involved in some of those groups are important because uh, also you see people that level up to the top. They're really passionate about what they're doing in those in those areas. So when you talk about groups, I mean, you're going to inherently get people who are passionate about that industry or that topic, mm -hmm. whatever that thing is. Right. Right. Um, and maybe it's a maybe it's a mission oriented company. Um, you know, my sister is an executive at the Red Cross she could probably go make a bunch more money somewhere else, but she's passionate about the mission. Right. And, right, and right. When you associate with people like that, that's, that, that's your networking pool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the one, one counter I'll say is to make sure. So you have a diversity of ethnicity, gender, talent, even the way people think that you do step out of your own core network and into other networks. I think that's super important. Um, so obviously I have my group, I have folks I network and talk to, uh, but I need to make sure that, you know, I'm not a tech person, for example. So I need to be showing up. I'm a sales finance person, but, you know, to make sure we're recruiting engineers and um, or, um, you know, folks that identify in a different way, you need to make sure you're stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into those circles as well. Yeah, right. Um we, we we recently did a study. Hop on our website; you'll you'll see our our latest uh, 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 ebook. It's the SMB HR Benchmark Report. Uh, asked, uh, we had two thousand sixty five respondents to over two thousand small businesses responded. Uh, five questions in eight areas of HR, from pre employment to post employment, and and one of the areas we asked is about an employee referral program. Um, and it's clear that in the final question we ask in the survey is what best describes you last year, fast mm -hmm. growth, flat, or was it a down year? And so that we correlate HR best practice, the implementation of HR best practices to revenue growth. And it's overwhelming just the basics. Like do you post on job boards? Do you have an employee recognition right. program, employee referral program? Do you just do these really basic things the fast growth companies, there's something like a 0.745 correlation, crazy high correlation to just simply doing these basic things right. as, as part of hiring and finding and retaining talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah. Very true. I also, um, another thing to think about on retention is sometimes, you know, mistakes that we've made in the past is um, really talented, amazing people that have been in big corporate um, who had who have jumped in the entrepreneur environment and it hasn't worked. So if you'll bear with me on a second on that, yeah. um, you know, when you're going to a company with less than 50 employees, 
you you will not be a specialist. You're going to be a specialist slash generalist, right? We have a company motto, everyone takes out the trash. And a big part of that is when you're in a smaller company, you don't have the luxury of someone just doing HR, just doing legal or just doing marketing. You're probably going to be stretched into other areas. Also, it is constantly changing. Um, iteration is is part of being a startup. You're changing, you're evolving, you're trying to monetize, you fail, you try something else, you win. And so in the interview process, it is critical for folks to understand the environment they're stepping into. Because sometimes you'll have someone who's an incredible expert in marketing, let's say, but they're they're very used to a you know long-term plan that you set a goal, you go after it, you know, it's very focused. You have a lot of resources behind you. So it's also that retention thing is also about being very transparent about the work style of being in a entrepreneurial environment um, and making sure that, that you, you know, push because there are really talented people that just don't fit some work styles. Right. It's just yeah. like I would be driven crazy to go back to big corporate. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Uh, I used to be there, but now I, I think I would go bananas. And so um, it, and, and that there's a one-on-one thing there that's just make sure you have a really solid job description. You know, what is what are the talent and resources you need? What is that person going to be doing? But what you can't put in a job description is, look, this is the environment we're in. We're very fast paced. Every quarter we have new KPIs because we're having to evolve. You know, we're, you know, or we're a venture backed environment. So if something's going down, we're going to have to go all in and make sure we raise it up. Right. So just making sure that people understand the environment they're walking into, that um, it's not just the job description, the requirements, and the qualification. It's also the culture of that environment. One of the things I think is important there, uh, Elizabeth, is. I think so many times founders and CEOs of, of, of small businesses, they're so wrapped up in the day-to-day, whether it's whether it's the remodeling of a kitchen or the the landscaping crew, the mm-hmm. painters, the retailers, whatever my the architect, whatever my business is, I'm so focused on that that they're working in their business, not on their business. And yeah. so yeah. the the advice you just gave there's a prerequisite that they first have to be aware of what the culture is. Mm, very and, true. And they may not be, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I think that speaks to being deliberate about, I'd say self-aware and mm-hmm. deliberate. What is, mm-hmm. the, what is the culture really? Not what you want mm-hmm. it to be, really. But also what is it that you want it to be? Because you are going to hire people that will hopefully shape and, and, and fit into that mold. What, right. What's your... What's your advice for entrepreneurs to become more self-aware about mm-hmm. what the culture is for determining that kind of a fit? Well, I think step one is your own personal management. Um, you know, really reflecting on are you and neither of these are right or wrong. It's just your style, right? Are you a micromanager, a manager, or are you such a doer that you hire people, give them an objective, and then you see them in six months, right? And you're you're way up here, right? And um, again, all those are different styles, but some people, especially maybe young new people to the workforce might need a lot more guidance and need you to meet with them every day or three times a week. If that's not your style or you literally don't have time to do that, 
you need to make sure you're hiring full self-starters who don't need a lot of oversight, right? On the flip side, maybe you're someone who is in the weeds, you want to know what's going on. So you need to hire someone who's conducive to that kind of oversight in that relationship. So I think that's part one is just your own style, right? Um, and I don't know that that changes a lot as, as the company grows. It's kind of who you are. And yeah. then the second thing is, where is the life cycle of the company? If you're in an in a early startup, you're just being very clear. We might look 200% different in 12 months, which most startups should, because that's the whole right. point of being a startup. If you're maybe in a growth organization, you've been around, you know, eight to 10 years, and you're a little bit more steady, you know, I think you should be very transparent there. I'll give you an example. Um, our chief product officer, Kelsey Berger, I think is the best in the business. And uh, I, I tried to recruit him before we even closed our series a so this is early on and he was more self-aware than me because he was like look you don't you shouldn't hire me yet um you know i'm first of all i'm a a dad with three daughters i gotta have more of a steady company but then second i'm a growth guy i you know i build once things are big and resource with big teams and after our series a closed and a couple years i don't know it was a couple years after that i actually went back and he's been with us ever since, and he's the most incredible leader. Um, but that is a time when he was more self-aware than I was of, of when his talent was appropriate for the life cycle of our organization. So I think it's your personal management style. Where is the life cycle of, of your business? And then I, I think the third thing, I, again, goes back to the culture, is what, it, what is the style, the work style of the overall company so I, th- I think those are the three things I'd be asking myself before I even went out and talked to a single person. All right. So we talked about, you know, different ways to recruit, where to find talent, the importance of talent, um, uh, you know, h- hiring for fit, not just job skills and job requirements, but actual culture fit in, in stage of life. What, what are your thoughts on developing talent? Um, what are the things that really jumped out to us? Uh, I think it was the of all the of the 80 questions we asked, the one that had the largest gap between the shrinking companies and the fast growth companies is, do you assign stretch goals to your employees? Mm. Mm-hmm. And shrinking companies, generally speaking, don't. Right. And fast growth companies do. And mm-hmm. I think about an entrepreneurial environment where things are changing so fast. Maybe they don't even think about it as, hey, I'm I'm. I'm thoughtfully, deliberately assigning you a stretch goal so much as, oh my God, we can't keep up. I need to do this. I'm sorry, you don't know how to do this, but I need you. In yeah. either way, they are stretching their employees. What, mm-hmm. what I'd be curious for your thoughts on stretch assignments, but just in general, what do you see the best practices for developing employees? Yeah, I mean, I'll just start out from a general standpoint. Um, I personally am very passionate about this and and also not very good at it. Uh, so it's something that I'm I'm uh, and mostly it's because I'm a doer and I'm I'm in the I'm, you know, taking out the trash myself. So it's uh, it's hard. But um, I, I actually think that we are in a, a stage right now um, in the workforce where we're in a really cool place with employee growth and both interpersonally and professional growth and so on, where again, it used to be 
we lose talent because there's not a lot of room to grow up and down, like up the ladder, title changes, big salary changes, which is just impossible in in a small organization where, where we can do a lot, which is exciting is, um, that the growth of an individual. So their skill sets, uh, both professional and interpersonal, help, helping them build their networks, um, helping them take on more responsibility, um, ha- helping them see things through fruition, um, mentorship. So I think that that is so much more valued in this generation of work, not just age, but this current workforce, which is really gives us a leg up. Because again, sometimes it's really hard that you're not going from an associate all the way up to a senior vice president in a 50 person company. The things that I've seen that I've loved um, is I I started with this, but one is skill set. So, you know, Every one of our employees, for example, we offer them coaching around public speaking. Everyone, you know, can actually represent our company, whether it's on social media, it's in events. Um, So is that a skill set? All of our folks that have any kind of engineering background, um, we are trying to help them get the certificates they need for their next job, um, any kind of training they want for that. Um, another area that uh, we really like for advancement is coaching. There, there are coaching models from $150 an hour all the way up to 30000 a month retainers for individuals for professional development. I think that is a great area that, you know, depending on your budget, you can offer your employees. So I do think there is a lot that you can help your employees grow uh, personally and a personally skill set, no matter what size your organization is. Um, the second thing is uh, a big thing around employee retention we've seen is recognition. And, and I don't mean you're throwing a party every time you have your sales event, but there are softwares out there. We use Bonusly. I'm a big fan of it where uh, there's a point system where we use it through Slack, where one employee can give points to another employee whenever they do something well. They can buy things from that. They can donate it. Uh, We make sure that we, every quarter, allow employees to recognize other employees publicly. Um, So I do think that recognition aspect is important. And then I do think feedback and accountability is important, which is kind of the counter. So where people can improve is, I think, just as important as as the rah-rahs, right? Ensuring you have a good... Okay, our system and that you are recognizing and rewarding, but also here are areas to improve and here's where we can help you. I want to come back to that. And it's, I know you're not saying carrot and stick, but there's a little bit of a carrot stick, right? So there's mm-hmm. it's, our, our data made it really clear that uh, recog- employee recognition is the, the fast growth companies do it, the, the shrinking right. companies, right? Um, right. If you're an entrepreneur that's really on a budget, um, and by the way, things like Bonusly, there's there's a ton of tools out. You don't have to spend much money. You also don't have to spend any money. So yeah, I agree with that completely. What would be some of the things that you just practical advice you could give to an entrepreneur that are free uh, around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing is peer recognition. Um, I mean, in your staff meetings, it's one thing to come from the boss, which is important, but you know, ask for just over email, please nominate anyone of your peer sets that we can announce at the next staff meeting. Even if you have four people, yeah. I mean, employee of the month, 
you know, when you walk into a small convenience store, that stuff matters to people, right? It matters. The second thing um, is, I, and I said this, let, allowing folks to own a project all the way through. Um, sometimes it's hard, I think, to do part and parcel, but if someone can feel the ownership on something all the way through, I think that tends to be really important. Um, the other thing is your mm -hmm. own mentorship. Don't discount how valuable you can be to your employees. So, yeah. you know, time is really tough, I know, but outside of just your regular meetings and so on, you know, when's the last time you offered an employee 45 minutes over lunch, ask me anything about my career, uh, about lifestyle, about anything? I mean, that can be incredibly valuable, right? So those types of things, I think, go a really long way. Something you said a second ago about, uh, you know, assigning projects and, and whatnot. I just think about tying back to stretch goals. So I'm developing mm -hmm. my employees, assigning them something that I know they aren't even fully capable of. It's a stretch. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting them to grow into it. Maybe the thing doesn't even work out as well as you would have hoped. That doesn't mean you can't find opportunities to still recognize saying, hey, you know what? You know, I gave John this project. John had never done anything like that before. Uh, it, 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 was, it was, here's some of the challenges he faced and we didn't actually, we, we, we may not have accomplished exactly what we set up for, but here's mm -hmm. what John did. It was really awesome. He learned this new skill as a company. We acquired this, uh, this muscle memory and now we're pivoting this direction and we owe it to John. Right. right. So right. It, recognition doesn't require first place trophies. No, it, it's no, no, simply no. Just mm -hmm. recognizing good things because people need to feel recognized. Right. Exactly. And to your, to your question on stretch goals, um, I, I admittedly struggle with that a little bit. Um, you know, I think in, in the entrepreneurship environment, we, we do have to change a lot. We have to iterate. You know, there is a, especially in tech, an important culture of if something isn't working, cut it off and pivot. Um, and so, you know, I actually have come back to, we, we have our one year, two year company wide objectives and key results, but we've actually pulled down our employee employees to uh, quarterly. And the reason why is just the, the shifting landscape right now, the economy post COVID, I mean, so much is changing. And we actually started to see some lull frustration um, uh, in just, oh, we're trying and not reaching things, right? So we actually mm -hmm. pulled back of like, let's just try and crank out like per quarter, these kind of shorter objectives, they're still laddering up, but it, 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 incremental wins, I think is the right way to say it, is, is what we've been looking at. And, and I just shout out to a lot of small business owners right now, particularly brick and mortar storefront, anyone in retail or, or commerce, I know they're all going through that right now. Are receipts up? Are they down? Should I hire? Should I not? Where's this economy going? And even for the founders, their own personal mental health and their employees, right now, it's okay to be, I think, just quarter by quarter, just really be smart about listening, learning, pivoting, and allow your employees to have that short-term win as well, because everything is so up and down right now. Elizabeth, so you gave me an idea. My brain is going down a different path, but you talk about incremental wins. Mm -hmm. A trend that I see, I, I, I've I, I've been trying to implement it uh, here. Um, I see it in LinkedIn. You'll you'll see uh, somebody that's an entry level job, and every six months. So where it used to be, it's 
after a year or two, you get your first promotion, then a couple of years later, then three years later, then five years later. Mm -hmm. And after a few 20 years, you got a career that, you know, um, but, uh, you know, stereotypically, but there's a lot of valid validation in it uh, around maybe uh, millennials, Gen Z, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're anxious. They want to contribute. Uh, right. They, right. They want to, they want to be recognized. And I'm seeing more and more companies, big and small, kind of, chunk up the job. So if I have a, what was formerly say a sales development rep job that was a, okay, do this for two years and you can be, get promoted to an outside sales rep. Well, maybe there's uh, a, an SDR level one an SDR level two, then there's a senior SDR and you break these things up and you see, you see people on LinkedIn proudly displaying. I'm proud to announce I was just promoted to fill in the blank level two, fill in mm -hmm. the blank level level three, what are your thoughts on kind of micro segmenting the jobs in, in, in laddering a, a career path like that? It's so funny. Cause the, the 46 year old in me are, is like, I worked, you know, eight years before I ever got any notion of recognition. Right. Um, but that's not the way it is anymore. Right? Um, right. And I also don't like the, like every single person gets a trophy. Um, I, I, so I, I struggle to answer that because I am myself trying to figure this out. But I do I do think we are in a, a fast paced, short term society right now with a very short attention span. And if it if there is a tactic like that that is increasing performance and retention, why not? Is the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, if, if that is the way of the workforce, um, you know, I and, and you can pull that off. I think, you know, that's quite interesting. I, uh, one thing I, I will I probably... say though, sorry, consistency. I have learned this over time. If, if you're doing it for one person, you better do it for everyone. And it needs to be consistent yeah. and clear what you're offering. So that's one you know, thing I, I would say. Was, I think one of the, maybe the hidden benefits, I mean, the, the reality is I'm pretty anti-participation trophy guy myself. In, yeah. And, I mean, my, my screen saver literally says nobody cares, period, work harder, period. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mentality. Right. Right. Um, so the thing I like about it is not just, it's not an appeasement to a different generational issue. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think there's maybe a component of that, but if you're going to, if you're going to carve out, say uh, here's the first 90 days level of the job, and then there's a level one, a level two, a level three, Mm -hmm. It forces you as a boss to actually think through what their development stages look like and what that's their contribution true. must be. That's and a very so, good point. So the, the, the win for the employee is, okay, they're getting wins along the way and they're not participation trophies because if you don't hit the certain KPIs and metrics and outcomes, you're going to be stuck at level one forever, right? Yeah. So there is performance-based but I just think that as an employer, it forces you to more deeply think through the roles. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. by definition, if you do that, you're, you're going to be a better manager. You're, you're naturally going to have better performance management processes because you have, you've benchmarked what the expectation is. Uh, uh, th there's all kinds of goodness, I think, that comes with it. Yes, that's a good point. And I said earlier, um, I very much care about this. I'm not, but I'm not great at it. And I, so one of the things I would share as a, t as a tip to entrepreneurs that are um, in, in fast growth companies is 
if you don't have the time or um, it's, it's, or you're not great at it, maybe pluck someone who's really good at it and very passionate who's on your team that can really help you through this. And I don't mean traditional HR, by the way. So we have a chief of staff, Jillian Benvenu. She's incredible, been with us. She was our first ever hire at Hello Alice. And she is so good at culture and recognition and really understanding when our employees need more, less. So, you know, that is part of her job description is our recognition program, mentorship, how we run staff meetings, um, how we run, uh, and, and then performance management, there's the growth side, but then there's the OKR side. Our OKR side sits with HR very traditionally, but growth, skill set, interpersonal growth really sits with Jillian, and she's so good at it. And her and I meet, you know, every other week about it, but she, that is part of her wake up every day and ensure that we have, you know, a a culture that's allowing our employees to grow, no matter if we're in a down economy, up an economy, we're doing layoffs, we're hiring, you know, and so that has been um, just wonderful because it's something I care about and I stay awake at night, but whether it's right or wrong, I've prioritized our finance and fundraising and everything we've had to do. Um, sure. And so, you know, it's just something to think about once you hire your third, fourth employee, maybe you carve out a piece of one of their jobs if it's not your specific skill set. I love the way you even said that of carving out a piece of someone's job. I think a mistake too many entrepreneurs make is, oh, I hired him to do, do this, therefore I can't ask him to do that, right? Right, right. I mean, I mean, that, that's nonsense, right? Now, mm -hmm. the, the bigger you get, your roles are going to be more specialized. You're going to have employees who want to do specialized work. So there's a whole conversation around fit, I guess. But, sure. But, you know, it goes back to stretch goals. There, there's no right. reason, you know, they joined a, they joined a five-person company. It's obvious you're going to have to wear many hats, right? Yes. I'm going to pivot yes. a, a, a bit here. So we've talked a lot about recruiting talent, uh, bringing that talent on, make sure it's a right fit, um, uh, developing talent. What about when it comes in, and I'm kind of going to lean back towards, you know, the, the, your, your higher, slow, fire fast. What about performance management? And let's talk the mm -hmm. good side and the painful side, the good side. How do you manage performance to keep on raising the bar mm -hmm. and get more productivity out of your team? Uh, and then the other side of that same coin, how do you how do you manage performance uh, to, you know, make sure that, you know, slackers yeah. don't stay, right? And, mm -hmm. and maybe it's maybe it's purely productivity. Maybe they're high producers, but they're cancerous to the culture. Um, I guess in general, talk to me about performance management. Sure. Well, step one is you have to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I joke, but again, in the business versus, you know, outside the business. Um, I think a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is it's an afterthought. You're either doing it or you're not uh, versus being really systematic about how it works. What is, what it, what do you use? OKRs, KPIs? I mean, what system do you use? And I don't mean electronic system. I mean, you culturally. Um, and then you have to take the time to actually follow that protocol, right? And so I know it's a very painful, you know, once a quarter to carve out two days to sit with people and give them feedback. It's also can be very uncomfortable um, and usually have to prepare for those two days. So there's work that goes into it. 
And so, but it's, it is critical. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs wait till they're at 10 people or they've been in three to four years. And by then it, you're playing catch up. And it's, I think the day you have your first employee, you need to have what you feel right of what performance management system are you using? How are you measuring? Are you quarterly, monthly? What is that? Um, what is it that you are giving feedback on? There's some things that are very easy, you know, sales, you know, are you hitting your numbers? Even engineering, we, I mean, we know every keystroke at this point, but there are other areas like marketing that can be softer. Um, there can be you know, operational that can be harder. So you're gonna have to put in place what you're measuring on because god forbid you got the slacker and if you don't have that in place it's very hard to let them go legally um and then additionally you know very a lot of people now are like give me specifics you know when you say it give me specifics so if you're not writing it down documenting against whatever that description was so again not in jest you've got to actually do it i think that is is so important and if it's hard for you in your mind to carve out the money, time, and exercise for it, just know you will make more money, you will be more productive, and you will save time in the long run to do all those things. All this said, we do we do run on um, an objectives and key results, a classic OKR system. Um, and as I said earlier, we have our we 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 try to be crystal clear with our whole company of what is our twelve month objectives. But then we have a waterfall down of department and then employee uh, on the quarterly metrics. And then um, a, uh, our employees are then measured based on that. And then their um, manager, you know, assesses that every quarter. So um, I would say, again, the challenging part is not everyone are good managers. Maybe they're very good at you know, engineering or marketing, but then when they get people underneath them, you have to make sure they actually know how to do this as well. So I just say that because every hire you make, you need to be planning, you know, your own time to manage the manager and so on and so forth until you have a luxury that you're big enough to hire people that are HR professionals that can help you through it. So, I mean, I love, uh, these more mature models of the OKRs and KPIs and cascading goals. Um, you know, it's probably a conversation. Maybe, maybe we do a, a talk uh, on a different show uh, just on that topic, how to implement concepts like OKRs for small businesses. Um, I think maybe the place I would guide small business owners and, and entrepreneurs the most. I think so much of the time, if you first set objectives, right? Set your key performance indicators, but the, the purpose of doing that is to focus on outcomes, right? It's, it's not, you can't, and to focus on outcomes, what precedes outcomes is observable behaviors. Mm -hmm. So much of the time, a, a trap that entrepreneurs fall into, all humans fall into this. I mean, shoot, just turn on the news. Doesn't matter with which side of the aisle you're sitting on. It's the assigning in, it's the assigning intent to the other person. Yeah. It's, you did this because you believe that, mm -hmm. right? You're not making enough sales calls because you're lazy, right? Mm -hmm. You're not making, you're not, you're not uh, 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 resolving enough support calls because you don't have a friendly enough personality. Don't right. assign the because, right? Focus on mm -hmm. the outcomes and focus on the behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're managing performance, 
the, the outcomes should be relatively easy to, mm-hmm. to come up with, but it, it, it's a trap to fall into. You do this because you are that, or you don't have this or whatever mm-hmm. it, don't assign intent, focus on the behaviors that you can observe because that's something that the employee can't disagree with you about. You observe. Very true. Hey, yeah. Hey, you know, you know, th- three out of five days this week, you came in late and it was only a couple of minutes late, but late is late. Late's uh, late, versus, yeah. versus, hey, you seem kind of disorganized. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. disorganized. You have no idea how hard my life is, right? Right. Uh, versus right. the observable behavior is you were late, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. And, what, and... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, what, what other guidance would you give entrepreneurs around performance management? Well, one of the things um, you, you said uh, uh, earlier, I, I forgot the way you phrased it, but someone who's like doing great on their metrics, but they're a jerk. Um, I actually, you know, I, I think, you know, a jerk is a jerk and they got to go. Uh, you know, you will end up spending more time, even if they're killing it, managing the people around that person who they're driving nuts. And then that's taking your time away. Um, I do believe like one bad apple, particularly in a small company can, can really yes. upset things. And also, you know, are, in a small company, they're representing who you are and who your brand is and so on. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, one thing that I do think we've been very good at, it, there's people who are wonderful at interviewing and they can fool you. Right. And, you know, they, they slip through the cracks and you get, you got a jerk on your hands and that's when, you know, I don't care how good they are at something. Generally, you'll end up spending more time on them than you want to spend, even if they're hitting their metrics. So this comes, this comes back to cultural fit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, some, I mean, it sounds icky to me, but some businesses actually want to have a ruthless culture. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they think yeah, that's, that's true. Part. That's true. And so, I think it, it comes back to culture. So. Uh, if you spent time at a big company, you might be familiar with the nine boxes. So imagine the mm-hmm. X axis is performance, low performers to high performers. Right, the y right. axis is, is cultural fit, uh, not a cultural fit to high cultural fit. And it's easy to let, to, it's easy to fire somebody who's a low performer and, and not a fit, right? Right, yes, it's, yes. It's those high performers that are not a fit, mm-hmm. those are the tough ones for entrepreneurs because if you're a 5 person company and one person is, they're performing, but they're not a cultural fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of your workforce, that one human being. But right. the, the the phrase for those folks is on, they're onboard terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. not going to get to the next level if you've got the poison pills sitting there who yeah. isn't, isn't going to allow your culture to be the kind of mm-hmm. company that you want to be. No, and the, the you mentioned growth. I want to bring up one other thing I think is really important for growth organizations. So you might have the best 10 employees for the first three years of your company. And they are amazing. They're great at their job. They have great cultural fit. Yet you get to 50 or 100 employees and suddenly those 10 or five of the 10 aren't working out anymore. And that can be incredibly difficult, um, particularly our folks who are passionate and have been with you from the beginning it is the unfortunate, difficult side of being in a, a growth organization when sometimes you do grow past your talent. And I, a mistake uh-huh. I think a lot of people make is they 
drag folks along and it's usually out of kindness and empathy and loyalty, but it ends up either not allowing your company to grow where it should. And that is your responsibility as an owner or two, it ends up getting nasty or it ends up embarrassing these individuals. And so it, again, unique thing to, I think, a company that's going from five to 10 to 50 to 100. But nine times out of 10, there will be a few people and it's painful. Gosh, Caroline, I've been through this a couple of times and we've lost wonderful relationships over it. But you're going to have to make some of those tough decisions at some point where actually you're not retaining people. You have to get different types of talent in the organization. Yeah. I, and it, you know, I'll just give an example because it's probably a, a painfully obvious one. But you know, think think about a finance person. When you're mm-hmm. a five person company, you probably have an office manager uh, who does bookkeeping tasks, and you have a CPA who does your taxes. You get a little bit bigger, you might you know maybe a lot bigger. You maybe you have a director of finance, maybe you even have a VP of finance um, that is a very different skill set than, mm-hmm. than clearly the office manager bookkeeper doesn't have. You get to maybe even a publicly traded company. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you can be a brilliant VP of finance for a private company, but if you're not a certified public accountant, you can't right. sign the books. I mean, there's literally are just different there skill is. sets. And there stuff. Is. That's a self-evident example, mm-hmm. but the same is true when you go from five to 10 to 25 and 50 employees. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. What, it, what it means to be a supervisor of a team of five who is right. maybe in one office versus the supervisor, the, the quote unquote leader of that same function, but now it's five teams across three states. It's right. a different skill right. set. It is. It is. And, and that's, mm-hmm. again, that's, a, that's a, the tough thing about success sometimes in growth, right? Um, and, you, and look, I love, you know, when you can grow people into different roles or a different job, but sometimes it just doesn't fit. So, um, but it's part of I'm learning. Gonna, I'm going to give you the opportunity to kind of bring us home. Um, okay. Uh, I, 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 I believe the, uh, in the way I introduced you, you're, you're an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, right? You, you, you help and coach and guide other entrepreneurs to grow their business, but you're, you, you walk your own talk, you live it, uh, love your humility. You talk about what you're, you're passionate about, but maybe what your own strengths and weaknesses are. Um, for the most part, if you start a company, it's because you want to grow it. You know, there are mm-hmm. some lifestyle businesses out there, but for the most part, either you're growing because you want to be, you're not growing, but you want to be, or you got a lifestyle business. So let's say we're talking to two thirds of the audience here who right. are attempting to, to, to grow their business. What's your best advice for them, how they should be thinking about talent, mm-hmm. recruiting, developing, retaining talent so that they can get over these plateaus to the next mm-hmm. levels of growing their business? I would say that, you know, the, the three things I think about the most and that I think every CEO should is that your time, talent, and your cash flow. And the talent piece of that, um, you'll never be able to outsource that. You'll never be able to delegate. That is really should come from you as a leader, meaning who you're hiring, what is the culture, how are you measuring it? How are you onboarding people? How are you growing them? Um, And and that is an important responsibility. As you grow your company, you're going to have to carve out a part of your job description, no matter if you have an HR function or not, to always be thinking about it, always. And there will be 
difficult times where you have to lay people off. There will be awesome, but also difficult times when you're in a blitz hiring where you got to get people in the door. Um, and then there's just those kind of nice, those pretty times that are just this nice, slow growth. And that's though when you should be growing your people and, and really measuring them. So I would just say, just know that it's a critical part of the job always, no matter what size your organization is. And you got to take time and put a lot of effort into it. You know, they, they say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you got to have a team, right? That's uh, right. I suspect if you're going it alone, you're probably not listening to this show today because uh, you don't care about employee issues and HR compliance issues. Um, but if you want to go far, then you're going to need a team and you got you got to think about talent. So, Elizabeth, I always Agreed. enjoy my conversations with you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Appreciate y'all. I learn everything. I learn every time I talk to you. So thanks so much. And thanks to everybody Thank else for you. joining us today. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit AssureSoftware.com.